0: blog talk radio
1: good afternoon and welcome to NJSPA's podcast program conversations on New Jersey education uh, uh, a program designed for you to hear about educational issues uh, for those people in the education community and beyond and to hear from some of the, uh, the educational leaders and experts uh, today we uh, We'll be talking about uh, social media, but before we do, if you have a question that you want to pass on or ask our guests, you dial 1-347-989-8904 and press 1, and Mike, who's uh, manning the switchboard, uh, will get the question over to me, uh, and we'll put you on. If you just want to ask uh, another vehicle to participate, is to log into our chat room. Uh, You have to register with Blog Talk Radio, but there is no fee for that. Uh, And then uh, you just type it in, and I will pass it on to our guests. Um, Today we'll be talking about social media and the board member and a little bit with school districts. Uh, And with us is uh, Will Donio, and Will is a a partner with the law firm of Cooper Levinson, uh, which is in South Jersey. Uh, Welcome, Will.
0: Thank you, Ray. Good afternoon.
1: Okay. Uh, And just tell us a little bit about your firm, where
0: it is, and and where you serve. So, Ray, I chair the Education Law Department here at Cooper Levinson. We're a regional law firm with offices actually throughout the United States. Um, I am located in Atlantic City, but I am from Hamilton, blueberry capital of the world, Um, and uh, I'm proud of that. Uh, I grew up there, and uh, I chair the department and have been practicing education law probably now going on 25 years. Um, I went to Rutgers, so I'm proud Scarlet Knight, and then Columbia Law School uh, started out. Uh, doing education law right from the start, and represent dozens of school districts throughout the state of New Jersey. Okay, uh,
1: and today we're talking about something that uh, I was telling uh, someone that I uh, about meeting topics, and I said probably for the next uh, foreseeable future, I'm always going to have a, this topic. Uh, the board member and social media it will probably be something that I'll be discussing for 10-15 years, I think, because um, there's always all these little issues that. Uh, Arise up, and I think sometimes people feel when they're whatever they post on social media, they have the freedom of speech. Um, And I, but I think it's a little, it's not always true for a public, uh, either a public employee or a school board member. Let's start with an employee because sometimes the board will have to deal with that. If a teacher, uh, and I know there's several cases that where, say, a teacher uh, complains about their students uh, and post things uh, about their students. Is there an issue, uh, issues that can surround that?
0: There sure are, Ray, and uh, let's just be very clear. The First Amendment and the guarantees of freedom of speech and all the other uh, freedoms that are guaranteed under that amendment, very, very near and dear to my heart, very much a component of what's important in our American democracy and, and really what makes our democracy work. That being said, however, and while it's clear that employees do not shed, and employees and students actually do not shed their freedom of speech at the schoolhouse gate, that's from the Tinker case, there is a balancing test that has to occur that came out of a case called Garcetti versus Sevelos. And in that case, the Supreme Court articulated that uh, public employees' uh, rights uh, guaranteed under the First Amendment really are most prominent when they are speaking as private citizens on a matter of public concern. And therefore, um, issues with regards to the actual employment, you know, the working conditions themselves, to the extent that they are not speaking as a private citizen, but as a public uh, employed person uh, or employee, and that really don't raise to matters of public concern, such as, you know, the actual maybe inner workings of their classroom, uh, they're not entitled to those protections. And the government, as an employer at that point, can step in and, and take action, especially if that speech uh, becomes disruptive. If It has a, a, a disruptive effect in the community, in the classroom, if it uh, undermines the teacher's effectiveness, if it undermines the learning that's going on in the school. And that's true almost all speech that occurs in a school. Um, you know, speech only goes, uh, the protections and guarantees on the First Amendment, they only go so far as until they cause substantial disruption. And that that's there because... Uh, the courts recognize that when there's substantial disruption in the classroom, there's not learning going on. And that's the most important component of learning. And there's a case uh, called uh, in Ray Jennifer O'Brien about a teacher oh, who you. who referred to her uh, students in a very uh, unkind way. Um, she was a mm-hmm. first grade teacher. Uh, there had been a scared straight program. She said there was a scared straight program. Why can't they? I'm paraphrasing here, but Uh, Why can't they uh, give that to my first graders, uh, what have you? And uh, she posted that on Facebook. And uh, it really caused an uproar in that community. Uh, It caused, you know, very packed meetings. It caused, you know, people to lose confidence in her ability to treat their children fairly. And so it was very disruptive. And the school district took action, took very uh, aggressive action in that regard. actually went after she was a tenured employee in in New Jersey. I think everyone understands what that means is that, you are protected in your employment and can only be removed through a very uh, specific process of, of tenure removal. But the Board of Education in that case uh, initiated that process, and she was removed. Uh, it went to an administrative law judge, and then to the Commissioner of Education, and ultimately to the Appellate Division and at every level. They found that her remarks on Facebook that she posted on Facebook uh, were so disruptive and so undermining that it was appropriate for her to be removed. And the First Amendment did not Protect her speech in that regard.
1: So, um, if you're a public employee, particularly a teacher or principal, even a superintendent or any, you really probably should refrain from making any comments about your work conditions or derogatory remarks about that other staff members or students. Uh, Absolutely, which which makes sense anyway. Yeah, and it's
0: true it's true of almost all other their employees, right? They, at the end of the day, the the fact that you're a public employee does not shield you from other rules that are generally applied equally to all other employees. You, you know, while you have the right and you do not lose your right as a private citizen to speak on matters of public concern, if you're speaking as an employee about other employees, about the working uh, conditions that are you know, very specific and individual to you, that's not a matter of public concern, and the employer has the right to take action in that regard to ensure that you are not disrupting the learning environment. Uh, and it was very interesting. The Appellate Division not only um, not only found that this employee's uh, speech was not protected because it was private speech uh, on a matter that, um, that was not a public concern, but it actually... Uh, chastised her uh, argument that that uh, this was public speech or this was uh, speaking on a matter of public concern. Because he said, you know, Facebook is hardly the place to start a serious con- uh, conversation about discipline and classroom management. And you know, that really struck me that, that the court, you know, recognized that social media, you know, it's it's a great place to for people to to gather in a virtual world and and share, you know, personal information and and news and things they find newsworthy, but it's hardly a, the, the place to start a serious discussion. If, if you as a public school employee believe that you need to initiate a serious discussion about what's occurring in your classroom, that's not the place to start doing that.
1: Yeah, and um, if I recall correctly, she had good evaluations prior to that, so it was pretty much this incident was the one incident that led to her there was no other thing, factor, in her dismissal.
0: Yes, and, 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 and it, it goes to one of the rules that I, that I uh, have tried to advise board members, employees, when i in service, when I speak at the uh, convention or I speak at uh, county um, meetings. I'm not aware of any employee, any board member ever getting in trouble for not posting something on Facebook, okay? The, you know, the one post, this one singular post, Derail this person's career. Yep.
1: All right, let's switch to board members because uh, it's not just the uh, staff members who have uh, posted things that they probably regret. Um, I, I think here it's not just the freedom of speech you have to balance, they have to really be aware of the code of ethics, I, I guess, uh, and still think of those things. Uh, so they can't like, comment on a, the uh, staff members in evaluative terms, is that correct?
0: That's true. That's true. They need to recognize that while they uh, – again, they don't shed their constitutional right, uh, uh, their the guaranteed constitutional right to freedom of speech. There are other considerations they need to take into account. Uh, first and foremost, as board members, they are governed by both the School Ethics Act and the Code of School Ethics. They are required to make sure they uphold all the other laws, uh, in particular the education laws that apply. Uh, they need to make sure that they uh, do not impair the public's uh, belief that they can be objective and reasonable in the matters that come before them. Uh, it's very important not to uh, you know, weigh in on things that might come before the Board of Education because they can inadvertently conflict themselves out. And speaking about staff in particular, uh, they need to be very, very careful because uh, those types of uh, posts, those type of social media communications can be considered to be you know, evaluative in nature. Uh, the Board of Education, while it does not run the schools, it ensures it's well run. It has a very important and, and, and uh, role in that it selects the superintendent of schools, who's the chief school administrator in a public school district in the state of New Jersey. Uh, it evaluates that individual. It makes a determination whether that individual will be renewed. It votes on the renewal of staff. It votes on... Uh, curricular items, whether curriculum should be adopted, that has to be voted upon by a Board of Education in a public meeting, and it has to conduct its business and its affairs uh, in compliance with the Open Public Means Act, which is also known as the Sunshine Law. And that generally means, and Sunshine Law comes from a phrase, from the Justice Brandeis of the United States Supreme Court, who said, "You know, sunlight is the best disinfectant. That is, you know, things are cannot fester if they're out in the open, and uh, they cannot be corrupted if they're under uh, the, the the glaring and exacting eye of sunlight." So, that's how board of education decisions are supposed to be made. The public has a right, with limited exceptions. To see all action and hear all discussions, in particular about you know policy making issues regarding curriculum. So uh, when board members engage in social media and they're doing so as board members, they have to be very careful of a number of laws that kind of overlap uh, the school ethics. act the code of ethics for school board members the open public means act and then finally the open public records act uh, when they're acting as government officials they may be creating governmental records who which you know are um, generally subject to immediate ac- access by a citizen requester and maybe you know some other access uh, abilities for you know others under the commonwealth right to access to public records so these, these things all intersect to really caution, again, uh, uh, against making hasty or, or unthought-out and un, uh, you know, really deliberated uh, postings on social media. And Getting back to that rule, I, I don't know of a board member who ever got in trouble for not posting something.
1: Yeah, now I usually uh, advise board members not to even talk about school board issues or that district issues on Facebook uh, or Twitter or whatever the social media is, but uh, that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. And uh, let's go through a couple of things that they should be aware of. Uh, like Bay versus Brown, just go over that case because that's something that we've talked about a lot. And, uh, and it's yeah, serious.
0: So- it's very serious. There, in that case, a school board member had criticized the superintendent of schools, uh, putting a Facebook page post up um, with a picture of the superintendent saying, now if we can only do something about our local terrorists that destroy dreams and burn, and, and the word was supposed to be futures, but it was spelled wrong. Uh, complaint was filed with the School Ethics Commission. School Ethics Commission found that this was a violation of the Code of Ethics, and um, you know, really censored the the school board member, saying, you know, um, first, you have an obligation to support and and help uphold the school personnel and the performance of their responsibilities. But in addition, and and, and this could be seen as, you know, very uh, derogatory, pejorative, and and also evaluating the performance in public. But in addition, um, school board members have to ensure whenever they're making any posting – uh, that they comply with some uh, general guidelines in particular. Um, much like when a school board member wishes to endorse a political candidate or write a letter to the editor or take some other action, um, they need to first and foremost make sure people understand that they are a Board of Education member. You know, I'm a member of the Board of Education. Um, however, they then have to make sure that the Public understands that they're not speaking on behalf of the board, that they've not been authorized, and that this this view does not represent the view of the board. Then they had to make sure that they're not commenting on something to which the public would have the rightful assumption that they have some type of specialized knowledge because of their board membership, because they actually happen to sit in all the committee meetings and the executive sessions of the of the meetings of the under the Open Public Meetings Act. So. In that case, in the the Bay versus Brown, the um, it, it, this, the criticism of uh, the criticism of the superintendent in such you know very very charged language was you know clearly over the line of the this, of this uh, the code of ethics, and that the board member was, was disciplined.
1: Yes, and uh, let's go through a couple others. Now, a lot of board members are parents, um, right. and and so the, they may be on a parent page. Uh, and I've seen that some of the parent pages are closed groups. Mm-hmm. Um, so, even though it's a closed group, they should not jump to the conclusion that uh, they still have to follow all the same rules
0: that they would in a in an open group. Is that correct? Absolutely, absolutely. The whole issue of I'm a board member. I'm not speaking on behalf of the board. They should be very careful of the closed group too, because as a public official, okay, you don't have the right to. S- can choose who will be able to address you, uh, in particular, at public meetings. There's a, a little-known case out of the Third Circuit Court of Appeals, which sits in Philadelphia, but which oversees the district in New Jersey, where we are, of the federal system, that says, you, you know, as public officials, you can't tell people, you know, don't come to me with your problems, okay? One of the guarantees under the First Amendment is to petition the government for the right to redress and uh, to organize to do so. So being in closed growth. Closed groups is very, very problematic, in my opinion. Uh, who do you let in? Who's the administrator of that group? Who's the monitor of that group? So there's, there's a real concern with, from a democracy having the opportunity, of all having equal access to seek the redress for grievances from their elected officials. Uh, there's that concern. In addition, you know, unfortunately, uh, too many people think, I think, that their communications are private and one of our rules is uh, nothing is private everything is public one of my other rules is you know you are being recorded you're being posted and you're being played and you need to be aware of that that you know just because you you think that the uh group is closed and only the people who have been uh, allowed to become members of the group that doesn't stop anyone from printing something out forwarding along and it doesn't shield it from any of the responsibilities to articulate that you are a board member you're not speaking on behalf of the board and you shouldn't be speaking on board matters uh, it's very very it's very hard for I think board members to to uh, really understand that just saying well I'm just speaking as a parent doesn't necessarily absolve you of, of the you know, con- concerns and, and, and uh, issues that surround these types of social media posts, uh, in particular under the code of ethics, that even if you try and uh, you know, distance yourself from your board membership, you still are a board member, and people will be assuming that as a board member you have specialized knowledge. In fact, quite frankly, that's oftentimes why board members see that people are coming to them, on social media, you know, I know you're a board member. Could you maybe give us some insight? That's, you know, that's a red flag right there for a board member that, you know, as much as you're trying to disassociate yourself from your board membership, that's the only reason somebody's actually asking you the question. So it's going to be clearly, uh, uh, presumed that that is, uh, it, that post that action is in relation to your acting as a board member.
1: And just to follow up on, I know a board member, uh, they're members of a closed group because not really they don't participate in it but they just want to see what the parents are saying but now they're being asked by the administrators and others please comment on some of our discussion so you your recommendation to someone like that is don't comment on it and just maybe tell them why you can't comment
0: yeah and 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 here's the thing as far as explain I, I can't comment I'm a board member I don't, I'm not been authorized to speak on behalf of the board and I just have a concern with board members I appreciate that they might want to be part of these closed groups you know however they're framed and however they're labeled but it's also problematic in that you know what information are you taking you should be directing everybody at just like the question about Uh, that comes up to board members all the time is, you know, you're in your local supermarket and someone comes to you with an issue. What should you do? Well, the answer is you direct them to the administration. Very clearly set forth in the code of ethics that you, uh, as a board member, you only act when you're sitting as a board member in a properly convened public meeting and only after the administration has had an opportunity to reach some type of resolution or make some type of recommendation to you. That's another reason why, you know, you have to be very careful of commenting. Have you given the administration the opportunity to address this situation? Do you have all the facts? And finally, at the end of the day, you're still going to be considered a board member, even if you haven't been an active participant. Uh, just, just the mere act of people, of, of you commenting on it, um, will, will implicate your board membership and those responsibilities.
1: And if you did comment on something, and I'm not a member of that closed group, but I know you commented on some school issues. Uh, do I have a right, as a member of the public or even a staff member, to say, can I see what the board member said in this
0: closed group about this issue? Yeah, you may. You, you definitely may. Uh, let's well, let's put it this way: you absolutely will if there's a lawsuit that comes about. Okay. That okay. I think that a lot of people don't realize that. First and foremost, if there's anything that comes from a uh, from a, a litigation standpoint. Um, you know the the request for electronic information, electronically stored information, as well as all social media uh, posts and and pictures and what have you. That's a routine element of litigation nowadays. So so that automatically is going to happen. That being said, however, uh, you also might be creating a governmental record under the Open Public Records mm-hmm. Act. You know while this is not a record that's being maintained by a board of education or by a governmental entity, and that's an argument against. It being uh, 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 subject to Oprah, you know if it 's linked if it's somehow uh, uh, connected to perhaps a school issued email address or something along those lines, or you forward it on to that then then you could have issues with with the need for that type of production and New Jersey's open Public Records Act is very, very broad it covers you know almost all types of uh, communication and material that a governmental official makes in their official capacity and, you know, doing something that is if, if requested by the Board of Education to comment on something that could, that could be seen in that light. If somebody creates their own page, they have to be concerned about that, too, because, um, you know, who's, who's, who's monitoring, who's administering the page? Let's say I set up a page, Will Donio, a board member of this community. You know, have I created now what's called a limited open form? That is, uh, have I created a a space where you know it wasn't, it it did not exist previously for people to comment and debate on on uh, school issues? But I've just done it because I I, I've opened it up and I've created this forum for people. Then you have issues with regards to who's commenting about what and can you delete comments? And if you allow comments, Uh, if, if you allow comments, that was
1: my next question. Can you block people then? If if you're I yes. mean this is my official uh, even though it's not the school districts, it's your own quote unquote personal one, but if you're using it for school passing on information about the board business, is that something
0: that is look you can't block people, but you can't restrict yes. that? It's very problematic. Even if you're not using quote-unquote school resources or school facilities or school equipment, it can still be problematic. There's a case, a very famous case, uh, from the president uh, blocking somebody from his Twitter page, and he was sued, uh, or from his Twitter feed, I should say, and he was sued in federal district court in New York, and the court ruled against him very swiftly and said, uh, you know, you allow the people who support you To comment and retweet and and, and do these things, you can't stop the people. You can't ban the people who might be criticizing you. You can ban, you know, vulgar, lewd, crude uh, speech. You can ban, you know, speech that is, uh, you know, is encouraging people to imminent violence. But if it's just something that happens to contradict the viewpoint you want to assert, that that you cannot restrict. That that is a very clear constitutional line you cannot cross. Uh, viewpoint discrimination is looked on very very disfavorably by all the courts, and it's it's something that can be very problematic. There's a case out of a, a Virginia case where a, a county commissioner was. Uh, uh, Operating a Facebook page. I identified her as a county commissioner, but didn't use any of the county's money, didn't use any of the county's resources, didn't use, you know, she said, I don't even use my county issued phone when I update it, what have you. But she had taken pictures with her phone and she uploaded those pictures with her phone and she spoke about things and she encouraged people to go to it. And she encouraged people to go to that when she was acting as a public official. And the court said, you know what? This has created a public page. Even though it's not, quote unquote, operated by the public. You as a public official, uh, articulating that you are a public official and that people can use this as a way of, of you fulfilling your public duties, you've now made it a public page, and you can't ban people who uh, might disagree with you and there she was sued for banning a comment. Uh, she banned it at uh, as she was pretty much as she was going to bed at night, there was somebody who had written something that she did not appreciate. She banned it, uh, and she removed it, deleted it, banned the person. Woke up the next morning and said, "You know what? That wasn't the right thing to do. I need to rein- reinstate this person." And she did. She still got sued, okay, and she still lost. And even though oh, had wow. been, you know, even though it had been only, a, you know, an overnight deprivation, she still lost. Now, in the big scheme of things, it wasn't a big damage suit, but you violate somebody's civil rights, you violate somebody's constitutional rights. You're going to end up paying for all their attorneys' fees. Uh, you're going to, you know, and obviously uh, beyond just that, it's just not the right thing to do. Um, and that case uh, also demonstrates another, another point uh, I try and make, especially when it comes to social media. Because think about it. How much do we know of our own friends and family, what have you, who love to get on social media, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, when they, you know, after, you know, at the end of the night, uh, you know, or, you know, first thing in the morning, and rush on to it or what have you. You know, I, I try and tell people, you know, that there's, there's very few good decisions made after 11 p.m. Uh, there's some fun ones. But there are very few good decisions that are made after 11 p.m. And uh, you just really just, you know, close out, log out. Uh, don't leave it on all the time. And, and um, you know, and, and be aware that this is, this, is, this is a tool. This is a product. Well, actually, you're the product. It's free, right? So when any, anything's free, you're the product. And just be aware of that. It can be used in very, very positive ways to get out information, especially in real time, about very positive things or things people need to know in real time. Very, very much a, 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 a wonderful tool in that regard. But like all tools, if it's used if it's used improperly, it can really hurt you.
1: All right, we're speaking with Will Donio from uh, Cooper Levinson about the the school board member and social use of social media. If you want to call in and ask a question, dial one. 347-989-8904 and press 1 or just type a question in the chat room. Uh, before I move on, uh, some board members, or some people who are not board members, use create a campaign page uh, mm-hmm. uh, where they can just put out their views on issues. Um, the school board member, if they're, if they're already, uh, has to still follow the code of ethics on that campaign page. Uh, They still have to follow all the same rules, uh, even though it's it might not be their Facebook page. And I guess someone who's not a school board member doesn't have to worry about the code of ethics.
0: Well, not until they get elected, right? Not until they're elected and sworn in. Yep. Nevertheless, they need to be mindful that you know there are there are unfortunately um, you know a fair amount of stories about people who have gotten tripped up. Uh, in their public service for things that they posted on their private pages long before they became public servants. And it's something that we uh, we try and teach our students and, and kids in school, right? One of the things is responsible digital citizenship, right? Uh, being aware that you leave a digital footprint and you leave a digital uh, record that is is is. Exists in perpetuity. No matter how much you may think you delete it, no matter how much you think you may wipe it clean, it's there if, if somebody wants to dig long enough, hard enough, and spend enough money looking. And um, you know that's that's important for board, for people who are thinking of running for the board um, and want to you know express their candidacy. Go for it. That's great. We need people to run for the boards. We need people to engage and and be civics and c- civil servants in that way. But you know, just be aware that first and foremost, if you are already a board member, you, you, you do have to abide the school ethics act and the code of ethics. Uh, that's been very clear from an advisory opinion uh, that came out about you know, uh, in a more analog way, the posting of uh, or, or actually planting of signs on lawns and things along those lines. Where the, the school ethics commission said, you know, if it's something that's generic, if you just get a sign that's you know, uh, mass produced or what have you, yeah. You want to put that on your lawn, that's fine. Anything that you create individually, you need to recognize, and it has to disclaim. I'm a board member. I'm not speaking on behalf of the board. I've not been authorized to speak on behalf of the board. These are my personal views alone. And that can be very cumbersome, and that can really, you know, at a certain point, um, you know, diminish the, the, the message. But nonetheless, it's a necessary uh, component when a board member wants to engage in that, in that uh, public speech.
1: Now, uh, I've heard you talk on this. I think you also should be careful of making general comments about uh, that that could be viewed as uh, sexist or uh, gender, uh, not gender, uh, age discrimination, like something like we have to get rid of all the old boys. or Is something like that that you have to be careful of because someone, can, yeah. a staff member could say that and say, whoa, Absolutely. that means Absolutely. you didn't hire me. that
0: that's that's the new frontier for 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 allegations and lawsuits is you know i did not get this job because you know uh that i was discriminated uh, based on you know some characteristic and This social media from this board member demonstrates that. You know, we need to clean house. We have to get rid of the dinosaurs. We have to get rid of, you know, this thinking or that thinking. Uh, He's part of the old boys network. You know, this wouldn't happen if, you know, and, and, you know, age claims, gender claims, uh, they survive. They survive. Even if you say something... Uh, that somebody else might consider to be defamatory, right? So uh, written defamation is libel. Uh, spoken defamation is slander. However you want to characterize it, somebody, yeah, a board member says something unkind about a, a, a staff member. They might get out on it from a defamation standpoint because it's very, very uh, disfavored uh, legal action in the state of New Jersey, with the idea for robust and uh, debate and, and communication. However, Say something that might be considered to be discriminatory. That is not. That is not going to be allowed, and that's not going to be condoned. And it's something that the courts are going to really want to take a very examining eye about, because one of the most important uh, elements of the law against discrimination in New Jersey has uh, the oldest and most encompassing law against discrimination in the nation, uh, and it's to root out discrimination in, in all of its all of its faces, in all of its facets. So. Um, you know, you have to be very careful with that. So, the commenting about a teacher uh, is is never a good idea. Okay. In addition, uh, and something I think that that gets overlooked. Let's say you know there's no litigation that arises out of it. It still can be very very compromising to the board member themselves. Okay. First and foremost, you know, you have the ethics issues that we've talked about. You have an obligation to support staff and the discharge of their duties. You have the responsibility to not engage in discriminatory behavior. You have the responsibility to keep all matters confidential. You have a responsibility not to take any private action, which might compromise the board. You have an obligation to refer all complaints to the Chief Administrative Officer and not act on complaints until, you know, there's been an administrative solution or recommendation has been recommended. So you have the ethics issues. You have the legal issues that I just described. You can be sued. Not only could you be sued, but if you're acting outside your role as a board member, you may actually not be entitled to what's called indemnification. Uh, board members are presumptively entitled to be defended as well as have any damages paid for by the Board of Education when they get sued for for actions they take in their official capacity. But if you do something that's so clearly outside your official capacity, you say something discriminatory or harassing or otherwise improper on social media, you might not be entitled to that. In fact, that's... that's, uh, It's both boards as well as their insurance companies are taking a much more uh, aggressive role in evaluating, hey, wait a second, this board member wasn't authorized to do this. They weren't acting as a board member. We're not going to defend them. You're on your own, and anyone who's ever been involved in the legal system knows that that can be ruinous uh, from an emotional standpoint, from a financial standpoint, from a reputational standpoint. It's very problematic. Then, in addition... I talked about compromising, right? So you compromise yourself from your ethics, compromise yourself from a, the ability to be defended. You might be conflicted now out of actually acting on the matter that you were discussing, right? You you have already demonstrated your lack of objectivity. You've already demonstrated that you have formed an opinion before it comes before you. This is very true when we see, like, there might be incidents that occur in a school, and You know, they make the rounds so quickly on social media about you know uh, maybe it's students behavior or it's staff members behavior and board members feel uh really that they, they they need to to weigh in because there's a community that's that's out there that they, they they believe is waiting for them to to speak and then the next thing they know is they have their attorney tell them you know what this this matter's going to be coming before the board of education about this staff member or this student but they 've raised the issue that you 've commented about this on social media, and they say now you 're in a conflict and and that is really uh, mm-hmm. a destabilizing uh, component of this because you know if the board members are all speaking on behalf of a matter that is likely to come before them, you might have a board that actually can 't even consider that matter now because they 're all in conflict because no reasonable observer would be able to say that they 're able to say objective. Um, so that can really compromise them in, in that way as well
1: uh, but one other thing now it's one thing uh, to comment on school district uh, matters uh, employees, parents, whatever but what happens is um, and I, I don't think there's a legal legally you can do it, but making a social comment uh, on uh, any number of social issues, social and political issues can create a firestorm for a district um, is there? There's no. I don't know of any legal things where you know, say, you're commenting on the president or terrorism or uh, other social issues that are a little. You know, people have strong opinions about. Is it? Would you recommend them not going to those waters? Not because they can, but because it could create problems.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's hard enough to deal with the controversies that are that are you know. Initiated or, or generated just naturally, right? It's it's tough enough to have to deal with all the things that might come before a board of education, but to self inflict yourself with this controversy because you made a statement about something. I've seen board members hounded from their board membership. Uh, they say something, and and the next thing they know, it, it it gets repeated, it gets retweeted, it gets reposted, what have you, and it gets taken out of context, it gets it gets uh, misinterpreted or something along those lines, and then you know. Maybe they're able to 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 weather the storm, but I've seen a lot of them who haven't been able to weather the storm. And finally, getting back to this, the code of ethics is 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 very clear. You know, uh, you have an obligation to enforce all laws, rules, and regulations. And I will seek make decisions in terms of education, and welfare, uh, regardless of ability, race, creed, sexual or social standing. I mean. Um, you don't lose your right to have an opinion. You don't lose your right to express an opinion. But you have to be aware that now as a board member, your opinions get they get refracted through the prism of your board membership. And uh, even though you might try and disclaim, listen, I'm a member of this board. I'm not speaking on behalf of the board. It may be very, very difficult uh, when a a similar issue comes before the board for you to then be considered to be objective or objectively reasonable or able to uphold your ethical obligations. And even if there's no formal legal action, there could be threatened legal action. You could find yourself on the on the receiving end of an ethics complaint, which, you know, having uh, worked through that process with my board members is, is not something that, uh, you know, anyone should want to willingly go through. And like I said, I, I you know that rule. I've never seen anyone get in trouble for not posting something. So you know, it really does suggest that people should really pause and, and reflect on, you know, how's this going to be received now that I'm a board member.
1: Yes, it's totally different. And let's uh, just wrap this up because I know you had a couple of like rules to kind of live by, and you kind of alluded to it. But when in doubt,
0: don't. When in doubt, <laughs> don't. I it just, it's, I, uh, i said it, and and if, you know. People take away one thing it's it's I've never seen anyone get in trouble for not posting something. Um, now, they may feel that they're they're not servicing their community, they're not serving their constituents because of that. I appreciate that, and yeah, they're elected officials they 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 represent uh, first and foremost the children but also all the other stakeholders in the community, including the uh, the the taxpayers, the residents, the staff members um, but that being said, They they represent them best when they can actually represent them the most, and they represent them the most when they make sure that when they're seated at at that table uh, for Board of Education meetings, there is no question of their ability to be objective and act in the best interest of the school district. Which kind of leads to my next rule, which is wind your watch. Wind your watch. Uh, What I mean by that is take a moment um you know i talked about it earlier about you know decisions and when they're made late in the night what have you one well, of the best things you can do is wind your watch you know actually sometimes physically do it physically do it take you know go to your watch on your on your wrist and say you know what would it take for me to do you know 20 seconds here or, or 30 seconds here and really think this through you know sleep on it don't hit enter right uh you know, one of the things we recommend sometimes in the law office is, you know, before you write something scathing to somebody, write it out, print it out, put it on your desk, go home, read it the next day, look at it with clear eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, yeah. It, 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 that the that there, there's very rarely is that urgency such that you can't pause and deliberate and really think through something that you uh, are going to post. And
1: I think the other thing is. Uh... Nothing is private. Even uh, I've seen people get in trouble for jokes that they thought were private.
0: Yeah, and and you know, in in the in the non-digital world, uh, you know, in just uh, in the physical world, we 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 try and remind people, you know, New Jersey has a very interesting uh, wiretap act which says that only one party to a conversation needs to consent to recording that conversation. Who's that party who consents to it? The one recording it. So. You know you are being recorded, you are being posted, you are being played. there are no private communications and once you hit send in the digital world, you lose any real authority to control who publishes it, where it 's republished, how it 's republished um, and then that's that 's supposing that it gets republished uh, appropriately and 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 uh, and the manner in which you originally you know wrote it. you have no way to to stop somebody from. Editing it, misinterpreting it, selectively uh, quoting it—I mean, that happens all the time. And so, um, not not only is nothing private, but it lasts forever. Yeah, it really true. does. It just—it just—it's there. Uh, we have a whole protocol that when we are in lawsuits, uh, we ask the other side, here's how you can go about getting all your social media. This is how you do it from Facebook. This is how you do it from Twitter. This is how you do it from Instagram. This is how you do it from here. And this is how you go about doing it. And uh, you know, if you're in a lawsuit, you can be ordered by a court to do that, and you can be sanctioned. If you've deleted things because you're worried about how they reflect upon you, that's called spoilation of evidence, and it's a real no-no in uh, the uh, litigation world. You can't just say, you know what, I'll just throw it away, and no one will ever know it. First, the act of throwing it away is in and of itself uh, a, a, a something that you can have someone uh, sue you for and take action against you, and you can be sanctioned by a court. But in addition, you think you threw it away, but it's still somewhere. It still exists somewhere, Mm -hmm. and it's more likely than not that someone, like I said, with enough time, resources, money, they're going to find it, Uh, especially if they Mm -hmm. think it's going to lead to them recovering something from you.
1: Okay. Uh, A lot of board members like to – they're active in their community. Uh, They like to solve problems, but uh, if you're in the middle of two sides, uh, if you're in the middle, what's the problem with that, trying to solve problems?
0: Right. If you're in the middle, especially as a board member, you're probably in trouble. That's something we try to tell them. You know, it, it's it's. I don't mean to to to, to deflate board members. And again, I, they're volunteers. They don't get paid. They work very very hard, and they take their jobs very very seriously. And that's those are all great things. However, they need to recognize that if they're in the middle of something, they're probably in trouble because people should not be coming to them directly to uh, solve an issue. In particular, if they do come to them directly. Board members have an obligation to send them to the chief school administrator, to the administrative officer, to to take a look at the situation uh, and work on an administrative solution and then make a recommendation to a board of education. First of all, individual board members really don't have any authority to act uh, unless they've been specifically delegated that authority by the Board of Education. They're board members only really when they're seated at a table of a duly convened and appropriately convened meeting under the Open Public Means Act. And, you know, the, the, the fact that people might be coming to them, they may actually be doing them the, the the individuals a disservice by being involved. First, they might not have the information they need to give them. Second, they may be compromising their own board membership from an ethics standpoint, and three, they might be acting in such a way now that they can't act on it later when it comes does come before the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the thing is, uh, you know, and it's and it it's very very um, upsetting to to remind people. But you know, the person who's coming to you initially, they might think that you're the greatest in doing something for them, but if 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 something doesn't go their way. Now, you know they just became your enemy, and, and it's a, a rule to live by that we we like to use. Say, uh, everything is awesome until it's not. I actually sing it, the Lego verse, and everything is awesome <laughs> until it's not. And you know that that is somebody's going to be willing to come to you, especially for you know maybe information that you know you really shouldn't be providing them or uh, access that you really shouldn't be providing them. And then if you tell them that that one word no then the first thing they do is say, well, then why did you do it in the past? Why did you allow this to occur? You're the one who, who created this um, situation of access and availability, and now you're not. Uh, and that can be a very, very difficult conversation. I mean, I've had, you know, uh, unfortunately I've been in board meetings where, you know, board members have had uh, conversations that they've had with uh, members of the public played Okay, they actually recordings played at a meeting. I've had uh, you know social media posts or emails or uh, text messages read aloud at board of education meetings, and it can be very very uncomfortable. Um, Uh, So we only have a minute left. I want to
1: thank you, and so I think the final point that you're making, I think we should really end on this, is
0: who's responsible for their actions? Board members. I mean, they can ask the school attorney. Um, and the school attorneys, an excellent resource. They can ask the ethics commission for an advisory opinion, and they'll give them one. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's up to the school board member to sp- police themselves, to to make sure that they understand their responsibilities, what the what the rules are, um, and hopefully, uh, you know, uh, discharge their very important responsibilities in a uh, effective and ethical manner. And um, you know, social media, like I said, is, is a great tool, but we they need to understand the the dangers associated with it if it's, if it's not used appropriately.
1: Okay, I'd like to thank you, uh, Will Donio, for joining us from Cooper-Levinson. Thank you, Will.
0: Thank you, Ray.
1: Okay, and uh, I hope everyone enjoyed this and found it useful, and I hope you have a good afternoon. And that brings thank us to you. the end of the episode. Thanks.